Good evening to you all. I hope that you have had an amazing day and an amazing week, in fact, here, ready to listen to episode nine of Way Back When as we look at the best music from 1978. Whatever you've done over the past week, I hope that you've enjoyed it. I personally have had a less than desirable week, having accidentally written off my car after a rather unfortunate collision with a kangaroo. But that being said, I am still perfectly healthy and I am looking forward to bringing an amazing show to you tonight, which I really hope that you enjoy. 1979 was a bit of, uh, 1978, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself and thinking about next week already. 1978 was a rather interesting year for music. Uh, we had mostly a disco-y sort of poppy sense to the year before the 80s would really take over in the next few years, but there was still a fair few more mainstreamy pop sort of rock acts as well, but definitely a very much disco sort of boogie-inspired year which led to some rather interesting tracks that have led to still being popular today, whether it's, you know, the catchy songs of Boney M or the Bee Gees, even some ABBA, although not really disco. There were quite a few tracks that came out of this year that people still know and love to sing along to today, and we're going to kick this show off by playing one of them. We're going to speak now about the Village People, and yes, you can probably guess which song I'm going to start the show with just based on that name. Excuse me. The Village People, for those of you who don't know, were, uh, are an American disco group known mainly for their catchy tunes and their personas or costumes that they like to play on stage. The group was originally formed by Jacques Morali, Henry Bololo, and lead singer Victor Willis, who were all French, following the release of the debut album Village People, which targeted disco's large homosexual audience. The group's name, interestingly enough, refers to New York City's Greenwich Village, which was at the time known for its large gay population. The characters they like to portray on stage are a symbolic group of America's mass masculinity and macho gay fantasy personas. After their first album and second album kicked off and exploded in the US, they became incredibly popular, releasing singles such as Macho Man, Go West, and the biggest hit, and the one that I'm going to play for you now, YMCA. YMCA is an incredible hit for the band, it's one of the best known songs of all time, and it is one of it is one of fewer than 40 singles to have sold 10 million or more physical copies worldwide. It remains popular to this day and is played at many sporting events in the US and Europe, with crowds joining in on the dance, and yes, please feel free to do the dance unless you're driving, in which case absolutely do not, but YMCA dance is a very popular one, and if you don't exactly know it, just watch someone do it and you'll pick it up straight away. It's a very easy uh, dance to get hold of, and it's just a song that leaves you feeling good and happy. In 2020, actually, earlier this year, it was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Recording Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, which is incredible, and the Library of Congress would note that despite the naysayers, the evidence of the ongoing popularity of YMCA shows that disco has never truly died. You can take that as a good or bad thing, depending on your musical tastes. Excuse me. So in terms of charting, the song did incredibly well. One of the best charting songs that we've had on the show so far. It charted at number one in over 15 countries. I wrote, I won't read them all out because it will take forever. But yes, one of those countries was indeed Australia. It did not, funnily enough, crack number one on the US Billboard Hot 100, only managing to top second, which is rather interesting. It spawned numerous cover versions, numerous parodies, and it has become one of the most endearing songs in pop culture history. So with all of that being said, Let's play it for you right now. The first song of the Village People that I'm going to play on Way Back When. I hope that you enjoy it. The YMCA by the Village People here on Way Back When, Episode 9. You're listening to Tune FM on 106.9, UNE's student-powered radio.
And that was the incredibly catchy and wildly popular tune YMCA by The Village People. Of course, as I said before, one of fewer than 40 songs to sell more than 10 million physical copies worldwide. That is an exceptional achievement. Now we come next to the Rolling Stones. And I know what you're thinking, Ben, why are you playing some of the Rolling Stones music when generally this show features the rocky sort of music last as opposed to the poppy disco style of the 1970s that should be played first? And well, the answer is the Rolling Stones actually came out with a disco track. The track is called Miss You, which was written uh, by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, as was the case with several of Rolling Stone's massive hits, and it was released as the as a single from their album Some Girls. It would peak at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and number three on the UK Singles Chart, and it was actually a rather fantastic song, if I'm being perfectly honest. It's rather interesting to see a an act like the Rolling Stones, which are known for their rock sort of music and style, to dip their toes into the pools of disco. It's something that you would see another band do next year, uh, the next year, which will be played next week. No spoilers, but I'm sure you can probably figure out what I'm referring to there. So the song itself was written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, who was credited as a co-writer, as was all the case for as was the case for all of Rolling Stone's originals. And there's a bit of disagreement in the band as to whether it was originally meant to be a disco song. Excuse me. Keith Richards himself has said that Miss You was a damn good disco record. It was calculated to be a disco record. I am quoting him there. While Mick Jagger and Ronnie Wood of the band also insist that Miss You was not conceived as a disco song, but mainly just ha- wound up being one by pure coincidence, given that they listened to a lot of discotheques and what was going on in discotheques just made it into the recording, which is certainly possible, um, considering that nightclubs were all the rage in the 70s, but it's also possible that it was just intended to be a disco track, so believe what you will. But it's rather interesting that the band themselves sort of disagree on what the genre of the song was originally meant to be. But it is a good disco song. It's also got a bit of soul in there, which sounds very, very good. And it's a rather interesting fact in that it became the eighth and final number one hit in the United States on its initial release. It, as I said, it reached number three on the uni- in the United Kingdom. Excuse me. And it has been ranked as number 498 in the list of the 500 greatest songs of all time by the Rolling Stone. Also, just want to give a quick little shout out to one of our amazing, to one of my uh, listeners who sent me a message the other day saying, "Look, why don't you do a countdown of the 500 greatest songs of all time by the Rolling Stones mag- by the Rolling Stone magazine, like you're doing for way back when?" And while I'm flattered that um, this particular person liked this show so much, they wanted so much more of it. If I was to do that in one sitting, it would take me probably more than well probably more than 24 hours and I would be absolutely knackered it'd mean if there was call for it I might consider doing it uh, when way back when has reached the end of its 50th episode but we'll see but I thank you for um, I thank you for the suggestion I always love it when people uh, leave feedback and I will take it on board but Miss You by the Rolling Stones did make number 498 just cracking the list and it charted its peak position here in Australia was number 8 on the charts so let's uh, see what you think of it Miss You by the Rolling Stones coming up next on 106.9 Tune FM, you're listening to episode 9 of Way Back When. Sleeping. 
And that was the Rolling Stones attempt at disco with Miss You here on 106.9 Tune FM. Let us know what you thought. I personally think it is a very good song, and I applaud the Rolling Stones for trying out a different genre. I think that uh, being that versatile and being able to create hits from multiple genres is what really makes a band super, um, a super band or a great band. So let me know what you thought. I'd love to know your thoughts on the Rolling Stones' Miss You. Coming up next, though, we move to the English band Bee Gees. Now, Bee Gees have been referred to by several critics and many, many media outlets and fellow artists indeed as the kings of disco because they have had an incredible career. They were actually formed in 1958 and had more of a poppy sort of sound to them but then in the 70s they would reform after a brief hiatus and turn to a more disco dance sort of theme where they would experience extreme success. The uh, Bee Gees have sold over 120 million records worldwide although several sources including Billboard themselves list the sales figures as high as 220 million. They are one of the world's best selling artists of course whether either number is true and in 1997 they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame unfortunately uh, the band is no longer active as the original lineup consisted of barry robin and maurice gibb they performed mainly as a trio and maurice would pass away in january 2003 at the fairly young age of 58 barry and robin would subsequently retire the group's name after 45 years of activity however in 2009 uh, robin announced that they would reform the bgs and perform again and then sadly robin himself would pass away age 62 in May of 2012 after a prolonged struggle with cancer. Barry Gibb is therefore the 
only surviving member of the group, and BGS is obviously no longer active. Still, they had a very successful career with numerous singles and hits, including the one that we're going to play right now, Staying Alive by the BGS. I won't say it's necessarily their biggest hit, but it is certainly one of their signature songs and was the second single from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. It cracked 189 on the list of Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, and in 2004 it ranked number 9 on AFI's 100 Years 100 Songs survey of top tunes in American cinema. It is a very good charting song. It reached number 1 on the US Billboard Hot 100, where it would stay for four weeks. It topped the charts in Australia as well, as well as in Canada. Italy, Mexico, the Netherlands, New Zealand, South Africa, and the uh, several different charts in the US, Cashbox and Record World being just two. It's certified platinum numerous times across uh, many different countries, and it again has been covered numerously and extensively by other bands. It is a very good song, which I really think you will enjoy. I do apologize for not being able to play Jive Talkin' a few years ago, which is another one of their big hits. But still, the Bee Gees coming up next with Staying Alive. You're listening to Way Back When, Episode 9, on the home of student-powered radio tune fm here on 
You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM, and that was the Bee Gees with Stayin' Alive, a track that really shows off their signature sound and style. Coming up next, we have more of a pop song. I do have more disco coming up, but I didn't want to overload you with all the disco at once. We're going to have a little bit of a pause now and move to some pop songs. This next song coming up is by Swedish supergroup ABBA and was actually originally meant to be played last week as part of our ABBA block of the show. However, due to a technical malfunction, we were unable to get it to play, so I'm going to play it tonight instead as it was released as a single in January of 1978, thereby just qualifying. I won't speak about the album too much because I spoke about the album at length last week. You, If you want to listen to last week's show again or if you missed it, you can catch up with the podcast on Spotify. Just search TuneFM and we will come up. If TuneFM does not immediately show up with the show, just search way back when TuneFM and it should appear. So the song in question is Take a Chance on Me. It was the second single, a second single from the ABBA album and it featured on a number of ABBA compilations as one of their most successful songs. It is one of ABBA's most successful charting songs. It was the group's seventh number one, and it was the final number one of ABBA for the uh, in the UK charts of the 70s, and it gives the group the honourable distinction of being the act with the most chart-topping singles of the 1970s in the UK. It also topped the charts in Belgium, Ireland, Mexico and Austria, and it was a top three hit in Canada, Germany and the Netherlands, and it only reached number eight here in Australia, but still doing exceptionally well in other countries. ABBA themselves have played the uh, song repeatedly during concerts while they were still active, and it has been covered numerous times by ABBA tribute bands, as well as other artists just looking to play a very, very good song. So Take a Chance on Me, coming up next, is on 106.9 Tune FM. One of the pieces of interesting trivia is that it is the first single in which the manager of the band, Stig Anderson, did not lend a hand in writing the lyrics, which firmly established the duo of Anderson and Olveas as the songwriting partnership of the group. Take a Chance on Me by ABBA, coming up next on episode 9 of Way Back When, looking at the best music from 1978, you're listening to Tune FM on 106.9, UNE's student-powered radio. If you change your mind, take a chance, on the first in line, honey, I'm still free, take a chance on me, if you need me, let me know, gonna be around, if you got no place to go, when you're feeling down, if you're all alone, the Yeah. 
You just heard Take a Chance on Me by Swedish supergroup ABBA on Way Back When, Episode 9, and you're listening to Tune FM here on 106.9. Coming up next, we actually have a song from a soundtrack, and it is You're the One That I Want by John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John from the smash movie, of course, Grease, the film version of the musical Grease that was written and produced by John Farrat, the song I'm referring to there. It's one of the best-selling singles in history, as a matter of fact. It sold over 6 million copies in the US, the UK, and France alone, and estimates of worldwide sales put it in the 15 million sort of level which is an incredible achievement so it's actually one of two singles from the movie along with hopelessly devoted to you in case you were wondering that was written specifically for newton john's appearance in the film that had actually not been in the stage musical the film's director himself was not particularly happy with this song because he felt that it didn't really fit in with the rest of the themes and songs of the movie that was randall kleiser greece's director in case you were wondering so when it was released as a single, it became a worldwide hit. It reached number one here in Australia, as well as Belgium, most of Europe, including Finland and Germany. It also chopped in Sweden, uh, the US Billboard Hot 100, and it would end the year on in the number one position here in Australia. It was the year-end number one single here in Australia of 1978, which is remarkable. And it obviously charted, uh, it obviously uh, was certified platinum in numerous countries, including the US, as double platinum for 2.5 million units sold, which is just tremendous. So there's not really too much to say about it itself because it didn't come off an album. There's no real band behind it. Olivia Newton John would go on to have several more hits, and she will come up later on in Way Back When, a few years down the track. But for now, we have John Travolta and Olivia Newton John with You're the One That I Want, straight from the Grease soundtrack. You're listening to Way Back When, Episode 9, here on UNE Student Powered Radio, Tune FM 106.9.
You just heard You're the One That I Want off the Grease soundtrack by John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, a very popular and very successful movie was Grease. Here on Way Back When, Episode 9, you're listening to Tune FM here on 106.9. We move now to a one-hit wonder, and I always feel slightly bad about playing one-hit wonders on Way Back When, not because they're not as successful or deserving of uh, popularity or airtime on the show, mainly because I always feel bad for the artists who, let's face it, you can't ever feel good about having a one-hit wonder. I mean, sure, you get a lot of fame and a lot of popularity for a while but not being able to live up to the expectations and the heights that you've set yourself after that first hit can always be a bit disappointing so we move to i love the nightlife by alicia bridges herself i love the nightlife is an incredibly popular disco song that topped uh didn't top excuse me it went to number two on the u.s billboard disco action top 30 which is otherwise known as the dance club songs chart nowadays excuse me, and it was uh, fairly reasonably charting everywhere else. It It made it as high as nine here in Australia, and it was the Fifth on the US Billboard Hot 100. It was it peaked at number five, is what I mean by that, of course. Although rather interestingly, in 1994, the song would gain renewed interest after it was featured in the film Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, the Australian film. There, it was subsequently uh, re-released and found even more success in New Zealand, where it peaked at number four, 12 places higher than its original peak of number 16 when it was released in 1978. So, because of the association with that film, and because Alicia Bridges herself is an open lesbian, the song is closely linked with gay culture. So Alicia Bridges herself was actually not a disco singer. She focused more on R&B as well as soul and a little bit of rock thrown in as well. Unfortunately, in 1978, she did have her big hit. Uh, It was a massive one-hit wonder. And sadly, her songs that she would release after that didn't really chart as high as this song at all or even really breach the mainstream media's attention which is uh, fairly upsetting and I do feel sorry for Alicia but she still has this amazing song that she can always be proud of and she was actually nominated for a Grammy in 1978 and was the opening act of the Grammys that year so she's always got that as well. She was a rather interesting character after that she would sort of fade out of the limelight and she would rather interestingly and amusingly claim that she didn't care for white female singers complaining that they sounded like they were sleepwalking through their performances which which is rather amusing, and I give credit to Alicia for uh, saying that out in public. So she is openly lesbian and promotes the uh, LGBT community, of course, which is wonderful, and she would be inducted into the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame in 2009, which is incredible for her, and a lot of uh, success and well wishes can be sent her can be sent to her. I wish her all the best for the future. But we have Alicia Bridges' I Love the Nightlife, a one-hit wonder here on 106.9 Tune FM. You're listening to Episode 9 of Way Back When.
That was Alicia Bridges with her big hit, I Love the Nightlife, on episode 9 of Way Back When, here on Tune FM 106.9. We are going to talk now a little bit about something that happened at UNE in 1978, which was rather interesting to me. And that was the Minister for Primary Industry, Ian Sinclair, being removed from the Council of UNE after a 13-year tenure. So respected was he, in fact, that the New South Wales Minister for Education at the time, Mr Eric Bedford, personally wrote to Sinclair to thank him for his service while informing him that his term would not be extended. Sinclair had been the then longest serving member of the council and it was reported that a feeling of the council needing some new blood was the main factor behind Sinclair's removal. The decision reportedly had nothing to do with inquiries into Sinclair's financial affairs and dealings, although he would be charged later with nine counts of fraud, but before you put two and two together and come up with five, he was found not guilty on all charges and officially acquitted in 1980. I just find that rather interesting. A man of such respect uh, being removed after 13 years on the council is rather amu- is rather interesting to me. We move now to a pop song, although more of a soft rock song, I think, rather than a specific pop song. We do have one more big disco hit coming up after this, but a little bit of pop for now. We're going to play some Billy Joel and Just The Way You Are. Just The Way You Are is a song from his fifth studio album, The Stranger. It would, in fact, be the lead single, and it was his first top 10 hit in the US, reaching number three and the first top 20 single in the UK, reaching 19. It garnered two Grammy Awards for Record of the Year and Song of the Year, which is something to be incredibly proud of, and it topped the Billboard Easy Listening chart for the entire month of January in 1978. It charted fairly well in Australia, it peaked at number 6, and it was number 38 on the year-end chart for this year. Still, it is one of his best-known songs, not reaching the heights of uh, We Didn't Start the Fire or Piano Man, but still a very good song that I really hope that you enjoy. Just the Way You Are by Billy Joel coming up next on Way Back When, Episode 9. You're listening to Tune FM on 106.9, UNE's student-powered radio. Don't go changing to try and please me. You never let me down before. You're too familiar And I don't see you anymore I would not leave you In times of trouble We never could have come this far mm-hmm. I took the good times Take the bad times I take you just the way you are Need to know that you will always be The same old someone that I from the heart mm-hmm. I couldn't love you any better I love you just the way you 
was Just The Way You Are by Billy Joel. Here on Way Back When, Episode 9, you're listening to Tune FM here on 106.9. We turn now to the last disco song of the show, and a massive disco song indeed it is. It is by Boney M. I spoke a little bit about Boney M in the show last week, but to summarise, they are an act that consisted of people from various different countries, and they were started by the German record producer Frank Farian. I played Mar Baker last week on Way Back When, as it was a big single for them, and it was a big hit across the world as well, but 1978 was indisputably the biggest year for the group with their album Night Flight to Venus. The new, uh, the double A-sided single Rivers of Babylon, Brown Girl in the Ring became a hit all over Europe, reaching number one in several countries, as well as actually becoming one of the biggest selling singles of all time in the UK. I very nearly included Rivers of Babylon on this show, but I couldn't go past the other single from the album, which I'm not going to reveal just yet, but if you know if you know Boney M, and especially if you know me, you'll be able to guess what's coming up. Uh, in Following this, would uh, release the full album Night Flight to Venus, which would spawn further hit singles with Painter Man, and the song that I'm about to play. Excuse me. Although interestingly, on Night Flight to Venus, it was revealed that Maisie Williams did not sing on the studio recordings of the album at all. It had never quite been a secret that male vocalist uh, Bobby Farrell never sang on the group's records. In fact, Frank Farian would do the male vocals in the studio generally. But hearing that Maisie Williams didn't sing on the album either, simply because, quote, her voice wasn't suited for this kind of music, which Farian would state in an interview, it was rather unusual to hear from. And it was actually common practice within the disco genre of the late 70s. And few people actually cared which would be a very uh, which would be very contrasting with what happened when Millie Vanilli would do a similar thing in the late 1980s which we will talk which I will talk about a little bit when we get to that particular year well it's so in fact only two of Boney M's official members only can actually contribute to the band's records at all all four members of the group would perform the vocals live at their concerts and it would be augmented by several backing vocalists just to hide a little bit of discrepancy so take that as you will so after this after 1978 they would sort of fade a little bit they would release a brand new single for 1979 i'll talk a little bit about that because i won't be playing it next week hooray hooray it's a holla holiday which would become another top 10 hit across europe and their fourth album oceans of fantasy would be released later on in 79 which included two hit singles that neither one of which were reached the heights of the 1977-1978 years for them in the 1980s they would release a greatest hits album and they would release a, a fifth album that were failed to crack the uk top 100 after three consecutive number one albums you can imagine what a drop that was for them and bobby farrell was fired from the group due to his unreliability given that the recording sessions for the fifth album titled as banoo news i'm not kidding dragged on all through 1981 and then finally the seventh album 10,000 light years which was issued in 1984 marked another commercial low point which would sort of end their i guess high time in the spotlight and then it was uh found out that in 1985 Farian himself lost interest in the group, and their final album, I Dance, was regarded as disappointing. 
They would, however, reunite uh, several times, and as I said last week, they would actually form different versions of the same band with different members, which was just fascinating to see. They would do that by exploiting loopholes in copyright laws in different countries, essentially. And in fact, they still uh, all tour to this day regularly. Rather interestingly, uh, Maisie Williams' version of the band still perform in Russia regularly, especially for significant events and festivals. So I guess it's good to see they're still active in some form. But the song that we're going to play tonight by... Boney M is none other than Rasputin, which is one of my favourite disco songs of all time. It is only semi-biographical, so don't go thinking that you know everything about Rasputin after this song, because it's not all true. Rasputin was a friend and advisor of the Nicholas II Tsar of Russia and his family during the early 20th century. It describes Rasputin as a healer, political manipulator, and playboy. Again, semi-autobiographical. So I won't talk much about the actual life of Rasputin, because I don't think I really need to. You don't really need to know about it to enjoy the song. But it would be a massive massive hit. It rose to the top of the charts in Germany and Austria, and it was a number one hit here in Australia, which was their second and last chart topper here in Australia, the other one being Rivers of Babylon, which again only just missed out. It was popular, it was received well by critics who would call it rather odd and unusual, but still gave it a fair amount of praise. It is very much a disco song, and it has become a very well-known song as well. Interestingly enough, the Finnish folk metal band Chirisas would would record a cover of Rasputin, which was a rather heavy uh, metal version of it, which I can't play uh, because of song restrictions and whatnot, but take my word for it, it is incredible, and you should go and look that up on YouTube or Spotify after this show. So Rasputin is coming up next. I apologize for talking for so long. Boney M's Rasputin next up on Way Back When, Episode 9. You're listening to Chin FM 106.9. This is the last disco song for the show, so please enjoy. It is a very catchy tune. to please but he was real brave when he had a 
for power became known to more and more people, the demands to do something about this outrageous man became louder and louder. That was the again. I must I must uh, stress semi biographical song about Rasputin by Boney M, an incredible disco track here on Way Back When, episode nine, one hundred six point nine Tune FM. We move now to rock, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Kiss, but not for very long because they actually didn't release any uh, albums as a band in seventy eight. Rather, each member would release a solo album on the same day, which was a rather interesting and disappointing move from a commercial standpoint. Ace Frehley's album, simply known as Ace Frehley, would would uh, have the highest charting album and indeed the highest charting song from any of the band's solo albums, indeed uh, not even close. It was uh, New York Groove is the song that I'm referring to. It was written by Russ Ballard and was a hit for the band Hello in 75 before Ace Frehley would cover it in 1978. It made it all the way up to number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100, which was again by far the highest charting single from any of the four albums, and it was performed regularly on Kiss's tours in 79 and 80 and would become a staple of Frehley's shows during his solo tours up to this present day. I actually was, had the chance to see it live back in 2017 when I went and saw Alice Cooper live. Uh, Ace Frehley was a supporting him he still plays the song live and it still sounds very damn good i'm going to play it for you right now because it's a good transition from the disco sort of music to the rock that we're going to that i'm going to round the show out with way back when episode nine you're listening to tuna fm on 106.9 and here is new york groove by ace fraley off of his album ace fraley
that was New York Groove by Ace Fraley, and you're listening to Way Back When, Episode 9, here on Sheen FM 106.9. I must apologise, I am going very much over time this week. It, I normally try and keep the show down to an hour, but this show, indeed tonight, may go as late as 8.30, so I do apologise. I hope that you guys uh, do stick with me uh, and this show, and I hope that I can uh, make up for it by giving you some incredible music to end the show. And I think that I've got a good chance at that, considering that the next song is from one of the most influential and one of the most best-selling albums of all time. It's time for me to talk for the first time on Way Back When about Meatloaf. Now, Meatloaf was more known as an actor in his early years. Indeed, he starred in the Rocky Horror Show and later the movie version, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And he was a fairly regular uh, actor in other little bits and bobs here throughout the early 70s. However, he would also want to start writing an album, and in 1972, he began writing his debut album, and then at the end of 1974, uh, he left theatre altogether and concentrated exclusively on music, which would lead to his 1977 smash album, Bat Out of Hell. His debut album, it would spawn two sequels, in fact, Bat Out of Hell 2 and Bat Out of Hell 3 to be released later on in his career. It is one of the best-selling albums of all time, as I said, it has sold over 43 million copies worldwide, and is certified as 14 times platinum in America, which translates to over 14 million albums sold, which is incredible. It's certified as 25 times platinum here in Australia, which only translates to over a million and 750,000 units sold. It's certified platinum and diamond all across the world. It is a very, very well-selling album. Excuse me. As of June 2019, in fact, it spent 522 weeks on the UK Albums Chart, which is the second longest chart run by a studio album. It is regarded as one of the most influential rock albums of all time, and it reached number 343 on its list of the great on the list of the 500 greatest albums of all time by Rolling Stone. All of the songs from this album have remained classic rock staples. It's a hard rock album. It goes for 47 minutes, the album in total, despite there only being eight songs due to the length of all the songs, and it also spawned a musical based on the album itself which is just remarkable i won't speak too too much more about the album itself because the songs are really where you need to hear some more information but there were eight seven tracks excuse me not eight seven tracks on this album including the title track bad out of hell which i'm actually not going to play tonight it was a very very tough decision but i'm actually going with two out of three ain't bad i'm going with two out of three ain't bad which is a power ballad off of the debut album of course it topped it reached number 11 on the u.s billboard hot 100 chart and it was it sold over a million units uh in america which was certified as platinum it remains his second highest charting hit in the u.s behind i'd do anything for love but i won't do that which will be played later on in way back when's uh i guess uh episodes down the line it still enjoys recurrent airplay on radio even to this day, and it has remained one of his signature songs in his entire career. Although it was actually only it was actually the last song that he wrote for the album, which uh, again just uh, make uh, make of that whatever you will. It was pla- it was charted in number five in Canada. It only reached number eleven here in Australia, but it has since been regarded, uh, I guess, post release as one of his greatest songs. So I really hope that you enjoy it. Meatloaf from his incredible album Bad Out of Hell. I really do recommend that you listen to the entire album in its entire length. It is a very, very, very good classic rock album. Bad uh, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad by Meatloaf coming up next on Way Back When Episode Nine. You're listening to the home of student powered radio. Can talk on 
There's nothing left inside of me So many. 
You're listening to Way Back When, episode 9, and that was Meatloaf's Two Out of Three Ain't Bad off of his debut album, Bad Out of Hell, one of the best-selling and one of the most popular classic rock albums of all time. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to Meatloaf's style because I have a confession to make. I lied. I'm going to play another song from the album. Simply put, it is too good an album to restrict to just one song, and there is another incredible song off of that album that I simply cannot resist playing for you tonight. And no, it's not Bad Out of Hell, and it's not You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth either. Those two songs are both incredible, but there is one song that I think is just a little bit better. To talk a little bit more about Bad Out of Hell, though, first, it was actually Meatloaf's first uh, collaboration, obviously, considering it was his debut album, with composer Jim Steinman, who wrote all the tracks off of this album, funnily enough. Meatloaf didn't actually have a hand in writing any of the songs on Bad Out of Hell at all. It was all Jim Steinman, and that fact would become rather controversial later in Meatloaf's career, when Steinman would try and use a copyright law to stop Meatloaf from being able to release his third, his second sequel to this album, Bad Out of Hell 3, The Monster is Loose. I'll talk a little bit more about that when the album is released in a few episodes time. That won't be for quite a while. But yes, so Steinman wrote the entire album, and this next song that I want to play for you, again, was entirely him. This is another hard rock song with a bit of glam rock thrown in. It is a very long song, so bear with me and bear with the song, but I do think it is worth it. It has become a classic rock radio staple and is very unique in its structure and indeed length. It was one of the longest songs to be released uncut on one side of a traditional 45 RPM record vinyl. So there we go. That is a bit of background information for this song for you. The original length of the track, according to Meatloaf, funnily enough, was meant to be 27 minutes long, and you can see why that was cut down, because goodness gracious me. It's divided into three distinct parts, and I won't tell you anything about those parts because it does sort of spoil the lyrics just a tad, so I won't say anything about that. I will just tell you to enjoy the music and enjoy the lyrics because it really is a very, very good song. It didn't chart all that well. It peaked at number 39 on the Billboard Hot 100, and in Belgium it would remain at number two for five weeks, and it was blocked from the number one position the whole time by, what else? YMCA from the Village People. In the Netherlands, of course, the single would become Meatloaf's biggest all-time hit, reaching number one at the end of 1978 and would be a hit there again in 1988, believe it or not. And so with that being said, I really hope that you enjoy this. I'd like to dedicate this song also to one of my good friends down in Newcastle who actually introduced me to this song. She is a very close friend of mine. I really hope that you enjoy it while you're listening to it. This is Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf himself. This is the second and final Meatloaf song for tonight, but you will hear from Meatloaf again later on in the show, uh, later on in the show's history, of course, down the track. Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf coming up next on Way Back When, Episode 9. You're listening to Tune FM on 106.9, UNE's student-powered radio.
boy, yes or no? What's it gonna be, boy? Yes or no? Let me sleep on it, baby, baby, let me sleep on it. Well, let me sleep on it. That was Paradise by the Dashboard Light off of Meatloaf's debut album, Bad Out of Hell, one of the best classic rock albums of all time, and the fact that it was Meatloaf's debut album makes it all the more impressive. Now, Paradise by the Dashboard Light would have been a perfect song to end the show with, but there's one more song I want to play before I bid you all a good night, and that is a song by ACDC, because it is my favourite ACDC song of all time, and that does indeed have some stiff competition. The 1978 ACDC would release their fifth studio album, Power Ridge. Now, Power Ridge was a fairly disappointing album in terms of commercial sales, something that I feel is very unfair. I think it is one of ACDC's most underrated albums, and a lot of critics would personally agree. It remained a favourite of Malcolm Young, who was actually quoted as saying that a lot of people respect it, and he thinks it is the most underrated album in in ACDC's entire discography. It featured amazing tracks like Down Payment Blues, Gimme a Bullet, Sin City, Up to My Neck in You, and Kick to the Teeth. And in fact, biographer Clinton Walker, when he was writing his memoir about Bon Scott, he, he, he was quoted as saying that Gimme a Bullet was perhaps Bond's most accomplished piece of writing to date, in which his penchant for hard case metaphors finds even more genuine pathos and humour than it had before. Of course, Bon Scott's early lyrics also had a lot of humour to them, but it had become a bit more sophisticated and evolved in this album than it was before. What's Next to the Moon, uh, Gone Shooting and Down Payment Blues were singled out for a fair amount of praise. 
and Michael Browning would explain to Peter Watts uh, of Uncut in 2013 that Bond described his ability in the poetic uh, writing as toilet wall poetry, which was rather amusing. Sin City as well is a song that is still frequently performed to this day, including on their last tour of Australia in 2015. The one song that I have not mentioned yet was the only single from the album, and that's because it's the song that I'm going to play, my favourite ACDC song of all time. One last thing of note, this album was the first ACDC album to feature Cliff Williams out on bass, who would become probably the band's best-known bassist of all time after original bassist Mark Evans was fired in 1977. So, again, considering how uh, underrated I think this album is, considering that it has some incredible songs that were given very good reception, but just as an album, for some reason, it never got the high praise that I think it deserves, I would recommend you go out and listen to this album in its entirety. It only goes for just under 40 minutes, and like I said, given the quality of some of the nine songs on this album, I do not think that you will uh, regret doing so. In terms of charting, however, again, it wasn't the best charting album of ACDC's career, only reaching number 22 on the Australian Albums chart, and indeed the highest it ever got was 10th on the French albums chart. It would come to be certified as three times platinum in Australia though, meaning over 200,000 units sold and over 1 million units sold in the US to be certified as platinum. Still, not one of their most successful albums, but definitely one of their most underrated, and that includes the song that I am about to play for you, my favourite song from the entire discography of ACDC, Rock and Roll Damnation. The first track on the album, it is the opening track, it was released in 78 obviously, and it is a fairly short song, so a nice way to end the show. It was written by the trio of Angus Young, Malcolm Young and Bon Scott. It was played live by the band during the Power Ridge tour and played during the 2003 World Tour, sung by Brian Johnson, in fact, obviously the second vocalist of ACDC, or the second most well-known, rather. But sadly, it would be dropped from the set list after that. It, they did not play it uh, until... Axel Rose would come back to the band after Brian Johnson was forced to take a hiatus due to health issues, where they brought it back a few times just as a special treat. I maintain it is one of their best songs. It is my favourite of all time, and I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. Rock and Roll Damnation. It only charted in the UK, reaching number 24, but definitely, definitely, definitely should have charted a lot higher in a lot more albums. So, Rock and Roll Damnation by ACDC will be the final show of tonight. Whatever you do for the rest of the night, and indeed the rest of the weekend, I hope that you have an amazing amazing weekend. I hope that you have an amazing week and please join me again next week when I count down the, oh rather I don't think count down's an appropriate description, but when I play the best music from 1979 in episode 10 of Way Back When. 10 episodes already, it has gone by so quickly. I really do enjoy I really do enjoy producing this show and I hope that you have as much fun listening to it as I do presenting it to you. I have been Ben. I'll speak with you again next week until then I bid you farewell, I bid you good night, and I really hope that you do have an amazing week. Rock and Roll Damnation by ACDC coming up next to close off episode 9 of Way Back When. You're listening to Tune FM on 106.9 UNE's student-powered radio. I hope that you have a tremendous evening.